share just one little simple thought. 23rd chapter of Proverbs, the seventh verse. And it simply lays something on us that perhaps we never think too much about. And uh, the writer is saying, for as he thinketh, or as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And we want to talk about that tonight, about the thinking of man, about our thinking. Now that word heart simply means to see the remembrance or the understanding or the reasoning or the human emotions or the will is what it actually means. It's, it's not this, this muscular organ made up of ventricles and, and valves and veins and arteries and whatever, but it's the mind that he's talking about. And if you can win a man's mind, then you have him. You have him controlled. This message was born some years ago while we was at the uh, church in Rosie Claire, and we had just experienced a revival. And a young man who had never really ever been to church came in, received God, and received the power of the Holy Ghost. And God began to deal with him. And he began to deal with him in dreams or visions. And it troubled this young man because he wasn't aware that God dealt like that. He was just an old country boy that had run around over the hills and always thought church was for old people or weak people and never saw any need for it till God got a hold of his heart. So he didn't know anything about anything, but God began to deal with him. He was a carpenter, and so God dealt with him in areas that he could understand like he does most of us. And uh, he had a, a recurring vision or a dream. He said, I don't know what it was. He said, it seemed to me like I was awake. And uh, then all at once, why, here is these things happening to me. And he says, Brother Hoskoy, am I crazy? Is there something wrong with me? He said, I've been told that since I've got religion, it, it affects your mind. Well, it ought to affect our mind, all right? <laughs> It ought to do something with our mind. It, it brings us into another realm of thinking, another realm of understanding. And I said, Ronnie, I really don't know what you're talking about. Come on in. Sit down and tell me what your problem is. Well, he said, now this has happened. This is the third time. And he said, in my thinking, in my vision, or in my dream, whatever it might be, he said, I see a house or a building that I'm building. And he said, it, it, it is put up and it's so beautiful. He said, I admire the handiwork that, that is there. And he said, then the furnishings are so beautiful. I've just furnished it so beautiful and did the decorating and everything. He said, you just wouldn't, wouldn't understand until you saw well, what I saw. And I had done this with my hands. And he said, I was so proud of, of the work that I had done. And then he said, I just, more or less, I go to sleep, I wake up, and then he says, I walk back into that same building. And he said, all the furnishings is ruined. All the sofa and whatever else I've got put in there, he said, it's ruined. And he said, I look, and he said, it's been rained on. The weather has gotten to it. And he said, then I wonder, how did that happen? And then he said, I look up. For the first time I look up. And he said, would you believe it, as a carpenter... I never put the roof on the building. And he said, I don't understand. He said, this is the third time. And he said, I don't understand what it's all about. Really, am I going crazy? And I said, no, Ron, you're not going crazy. You're having a dream or you're having a vision and God is trying to tell you or us as a church something. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but let's pray about it and let's see if God can give us the answer. And we prayed, and it wasn't two or three days after that till God began to speak to my heart. And uh, the answer, and I called Ron in, and he eventually then told this vision to the church. But the answer was this. God was trying to tell us that we can build the best, most beautiful building as far as our natural life is concerned, and then come to God and furnish it with some of the best furnishings God has the gifts of the Spirit, operations of the Spirit, the power of the Holy Ghost in our lives and furnish it with great things that God has given us. But unless we put a roof over that, unless we enclose it, then the elements of the air or the powers of the devil 
can come and destroy everything that we placed in that building that we had dedicated to God. And God began to make me understand that the thing that was lacking on that building and that the thing is lacking on a lot of our lives and the thing that covers all the beautiful furnishings that God places within us is our mind. If we can get our mind the way it ought to be and get to thinking the way God wants us to think, well, then everything that he gives us is safe and secure. But until that mind is given to God, uh, that mind is protected, we can have the gifts of the Spirit and use them unwisely and destroy. We can even have some of the fruits of the Spirit in our life, love, joy, and peace, and understanding. Unless our mind is the way it ought to be with God, eventually those things can be destroyed out of our lives. So, number one, God has given us the ability to think. He has never taken that ability away from us. And not only does God have, has given us that, the devil knows that if he can control the minds of people who even love the Lord, then he has them. Capture the thoughts of an individual regardless of who we are, and we control him. If you'll notice the communists, the first thing they do is brainwash their prisoners. In other words, they will get them involved and they'll work on this thinking. And they'll keep pounding and keep dripping those things there. You're out away from everything else. And finally, they bring this prisoner around to their thinking. The Apostle Paul was aware of that. And that's why he never considered himself a prisoner of Rome or anyone else. Because they might have captured him. And they might have put him in prison, and they might have imprisoned his body, but they never at one time touched that mind of the Apostle Paul that was under the influence of the power of the Holy Ghost. He never considered him a prisoner to Rome. He always belonged to God. And if you can get somebody else's ideas inside and make them think as you think, then you have that man. And that's exactly what Satan is after. Satan wants men's minds. He wants our minds. If he can control our minds all week, he's not too concerned about what we're going to do in the house of God for a few hours. Amen? He wants our minds. He wants to control them and he wants to use them. And that's why the Apostle Paul wrote, on so many occasions what he did. One in particular, in 2 Corinthians 11, through, 11 and 3, he says, But I fear. Now, remember, he was writing to Christians, similar to you and I, Holy Ghost filled, if you please, Christians that knew God and loved God. But Paul is saying something that's pertinent to us. He said, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility, so your minds, not inside here, not the Holy Spirit, but so your minds should be corrupted or put to final ruin from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. If the devil can some way get to us and make us think salvation is so hard, that there's no possible way that we can get it. And once we get it, there's no possible way that we can live it. He's moving us from the simplicity that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. We make it too hard for individuals. And all Satan needs to do is to reach our minds. Have you ever wondered? Now, let's be honest. You really have to be on this message. Have you ever wondered why even in one of the best services that you can have that your mind would wonder? Have you ever had that happen to you? Come on, wave at me. <laughs> I have, <laughs> and I'm sure everybody has. But have you ever wondered why even in the presence of God, in a service where the power of God is there, have you ever wondered why this happened? And I asked God on that. I said, oh, what, what happens? And his answer to me, and I'm telling you what he told me, his answer to me was, you have a mind that is undisciplined. 
Okay? Still with me now. You have a mind that is undisciplined. And then I thought, oh God, I've been in church all these years. I've shouted, I've spoken tongues. I felt God, and I felt good. And yet, I know that there's times when I went into the house of God that my mind was not a disciplined mind. I missed some of the things that was happening there. And then he began to give me, right in my own congregation, one of the best spiritual lessons on a natural child that could be given. We just brought in almost off the street a man and a woman, and they had had three children. Never at one time had they ever been to church, didn't know how to behave themselves in the house of God at all, and we gave them ample time and opportunity to be able to let the children, some of them, two of them at least, was big enough to know how to behave in the house of God. And we gave them ample time. We were uh, not too rude with them, very, very cautious and very loving with them, and give them some ample time to teach their children how to behave in the house of God. I noticed over the months that nothing happened. They were just like they was when they first started coming. There wasn't any difference in them. And so I thought, well, there's got to be some reason for that. Children don't just stay that way if, they're, if they've been told, been taught, and disciplined. And they would take those little fellas, and they would take them in the nursery, and you can hear them paddling their back parts from come on up to the pulpit. And they come right on out, and nothing changed whatsoever. And so I went to their home one time. Best place to find out. <laughs> And so I went to their home for the specific reason of talking to dad and mom and try to help them with their children to understand what it was. A lot of people said, well, they're demon controlled and all this, that, and something else. And this does happen on occasions uh, uh, where there's a presence there that moves on a child and causes them to do things and causes an unrest in little bodies and their little minds. And so I went with full intentions of finding out. And I was there almost an hour. And not one time was those children ever disciplined. They did what they got ready, when they got ready. They never sat still one minute of the time I was there. They was jumping on the furniture. They was climbing on the table. They was jumping up and down on the bed. And whatever they wanted to do, those children was able to do. And I asked the man and woman, I said, is this what they do all the time? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's just that way all the time. And I said, and you expect to bring those little children in after they run uh, 10 and 12 hours a day all the time, and you expect those little children to come in and sit down in the house of God and behave. I said, there's no way they will ever do it. Until you can discipline them at home, they're never going to be disciplined in the house of God. I said, well, how do we do this? I said, start setting them down just a few minutes every day and increase that until they learn how to sit down a full hour or even more. And they begin to do that. It, it was a fight. And God spoke to my heart and said, that is exactly what most of my people do with their mind. <laughs> All right, still with me? We let it run rampant and we let it run wild all week. Let it take on the things it wants to think on and do the things it wants to do. And then we bring it into the house of God and say, Mind set there and don't you dare leave. And it's not a disciplined mind. It can't do that. And the best we can do sometimes, it's still out there in our business. It's still out there at our place of work. It's still out there in our home. It's out there in our automobile. Maybe we have some problems. At the best we can do, our mind is still fleeting. Maybe not all the time. And we struggle to control it. And we should. But sometimes our mind is way away from where it ought to be. It's an undisciplined mind. And the result of one. And we've got to control. And we have to learn to do this. And it's not easy. Control every thought that goes through our mind. Check them, arrest them, 
and take them captive. I made the mistake of saying this in a service one night, right along the same line, and afterwards someone came up and said, that is absolutely impossible. There is no possible way that you can check every thought and control every thought that goes through your mind and arrest them and take them captive. I said, well, don't talk to me about it. Go see the Apostle Paul, because he's the one that wrote it. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, he says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now I'm sure that the Apostle Paul was not writing something that was impossible to do. I'm sure that he was aware that mankind was going to have some problems in these areas and he let us know that the weapons of our warfare is not the carnal mind, it's not the hands, it's not the feet uh, of mankind, but they are weapons furnished by God. To the pulling down of strongholds, regardless of how entrenched the devil might be in life, casting down imaginations. Let's stop a minute on that. Did you know that imaginations has destroyed more marriages and split more churches than any one thing that you can mention. People imagine things. Get away from reality and they imagine this is going on. They imagine that is happening. They imagine somebody is saying something in a manner that, that they don't mean it. And the devil is there placing that imagination in your heart and in your mind to control it. And the Bible tells us, Paul says, by the weapons of God, cast down those imaginations. Get them under control by the power of the Holy Spirit and say, devil, you are a liar. I don't believe you are a liar. And every high thing, anything that is greater than God, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, you cast that down. And that's why the Bible tells us to take the helmet of salvation. Now you realize whatever you might have, the Holy Ghost, the gifts of the Spirit, the good things of God has to be covered with a pure mind. Something that makes you think about God and think with God at all times. And Paul says you take that helmet of salvation, put it over there, cover your thinking, and take it under control of God. Have you ever wondered... And have you ever noticed that thinking is a contest? I'm not going to do it tonight. I've done it in occasions, but it takes a little time. But I've asked individuals, and I'll ask you to do that. Because I've never had a positive answer yet. If you don't think that thinking is a contest, and if you don't think you have an enemy there, just try thinking on Jesus uninterrupted for just five minutes. That's all. Now, I, I'll tell you, even go to yourself, put your Bible out in front of you, do whatever you want to do, and you'll find, until you begin to take note of that, and knowledge of that, you will find that it is impossible for you to think just on Him with no other thoughts coming into your mind for just five minutes. But if you realize that, if you know that this is happening, then you begin to work on that thing. You begin to take yourself someplace and you begin to think on Jesus. You set yourself down and say, now mine, you think on Jesus. And if you think on Him one minute, fine. Uh, keep improving on that. Keep going back and back again. I will guarantee you one thing, because I've done it. Eventually, you'll be able to keep your mind on Him uninterrupted by the power of the Holy Ghost. But before you can control anything, you've got to recognize and be honest with yourself that that's the way it is in your life. 
You can't improve your thinking until you recognize that Satan really does sometimes steal your thinking away from you. Takes your thought pattern and runs in every direction and makes you think other things are more important than God. I'm not saying you can go around with a holy type of feeling some way that, uh, that uh, you, you take, just think on that all the time. But there are times that belongs to God. How many of you have got times you really give to God? And Satan won't let you do that. He has to be part of that time that you give to God. And it is such a sacred thing in this day and hour to be shut in with Jesus. Just to be sitting there and praying He deserves every thought that we have uninterrupted until we're finished with that. He deserves that. Can you say amen? He deserves our whole, whole thing. And the devil, there's warfare there. See, that's where the warfare is. It's right up here. That's where, that's where the, the, the war starts. Ephesians said we wrestle out against flesh and blood. It's not things that we're used to wrestling against. I've often thought it would be so much easier. You, you know, you're out here wrestling or you're fighting with somebody. You see them. You know they're there. And you can zero in on them. But this is not flesh and blood. This is against principalities. Evil forces that you can't see. And this world tells you that they don't even exist. But you know as a child of God they do. Because they always counterattack you in your thinking with God. When you're on the mountain, top with the Lord, what makes you go down in the valley? What makes that happen? Because the enemy is there. And he destroys, if he can, uproots your confidence, causes something to happen in your life, and captivates your thinking in your mind, and takes it away from God. Takes it away from where it ought to be. So you're fighting against principalities. You're fighting against powers. You're fighting against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now there's high places out here, I realize that. There, there's kingdoms, that's a high place. There's wickedness there, there's wickedness in kingdoms, and there's wickedness in dictators, and high places in our government, and high places in, in our officials, in our towns, and what have you. But I think he was talking about a higher place than that. I think he was talking about the mind that God has given us. There's not a higher place in this world than the mind that God placed in Adam, and we still have part of it. We don't use 90% or 10% of what God give us the ability to have in the thinking of man. There's nothing that man can't do when he starts thinking he can do it. That's why God destroyed them. And the Tower of Babel, He said there's nothing that they have imagined to do but what they can do. If they imagine they can get to heaven that way, if I don't stop them, they'll do that. You ever notice what mankind can do in the natural mind? And I just thought if we just knew that we could get the taproot and the source of what God has got, spiritually speaking, to this mind, we could turn this world upside down to Almighty God. And it needs a touch, doesn't it? It needs a move of the Holy Spirit of God. It needs men thinking and breathing under the inspiration of God's Spirit. It needs minds that have been subjected to Him and to Him alone. It needs individuals that give their heart and life, mind and soul to God and recognize the enemy is out to destroy it. Get our minds and He controls us. Christian or not a Christian, Holy Ghost filled or not Holy Ghost filled, He don't care as long as He can reach inside there and dominate your thoughts for the day and for the hour. Oh, I realize you can't kneel down and pray all the time. I realize that there's times on our job, but there always should be a communion from right here. Regardless of where you're at, a communion that soars to God while we go about our daily walk of life. The hardest job in this world would be made easier if there was always a communion with God and a thought pattern of God. The devil comes along and, and says, you ought to think about this. This is what dominates your life today. But friend, as long as God dominates it, then this world out here would be a better place for us to live. It's, it's a contest, and we're fighting against this. Bringing into captivity every thought. Bringing into captivity every thought. 
And that thing went over and over and over in my mind. Every thought, everything that we think that is not right, bring it into captivity. I can't help, and I think it was said this morning, I can't help that introduction of thoughts that Satan puts in my mind. I lived too long out in this world. There's a lot of things that still dominate this whole place. Yes, there is. There's a lot of thoughts that enter in. A lot of things that ought not to be there. A lot of thoughts that are evil, ungodly thoughts. I get to thinking sometimes when they came in, I was flabbergasted after I received the Holy Ghost that this could even happen. Because I'd been told that all of this was done away with. After I received the Holy Ghost, I would never have bad thoughts anymore. I'd never have any bad days anymore. I couldn't understand it. Until I finally realized I was still in this old human nature. That just because I was born again, no sign this old Adamic nature was going to give up. It had ruled too long. And it still tries to rule. It still tries to dominate. It still looks and says, wait a minute here. You're not near as holy as you think you are. And then here's an old ungodly thought, an evil thought, that would flash right in my mind. I used to think, oh, God, what a sinner am I. Until God graciously, marvelously, mercifully introduced me to what it was all about. It was the enemy after my mind. If he got my mind, he got my soul. He knows that. But friend, my soul is too precious for me. And my mind is too precious for me too. I have inside of me the presence of God, the gifts of the Spirit, some of the fruits of the Spirit inside here. That's the furnishing God had placed there. And they're too great and marvelous to be destroyed by the elements of the air. I don't want it in there. I don't want it to destroy what God has placed there. And yet I know very well that it can. You've seen it happen. Let me just narrow it down to you. You've seen it happen. You watch godly men and women with the call of God on their life filled with the Holy Ghost and you knew they were and they lived like that and you watched them fall and everything that was inside there that God had placed there was destroyed because they could not get their mind where it ought to be. And Satan took the mind and then he destroyed the spirit. And with it he also destroyed others who was looking at that life to be lived. The world don't pay one bit of attention to what you say. I want you to hear me tonight. You can tell them in the prettiest flowery words about how good God is and how great He is, but until they see that in your life and see you acting like that, they don't believe it. God help us to realize our testimony and our witness is outside these doors where God has provided us as a job regardless of what it is and placed us there and put us there and said, here's where I want you to be. It's not happenstance in a Christian life where they're at. I'll never bow to that. I think God has a reason and a purpose for where we're at. And He expects us to utilize that. And I'm not getting on your case for things that have happened and things that are happening, but I'm trying to get you to see where the battle is. And if the battle is won there, then he controls your life. I'm going to say again, you saw that. You watched it. And these individuals were simply dominated and attacked by the power of the enemy. Very vulnerable. And there's a lot of times we're very vulnerable in our thinking. Yes, we are. And if somebody is not praying for us at that particular time, that's why we need the body of Christ. That's why we need one another. If somebody is not sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit of God to be pricked in their heart about their brother or sister and know that they're weakened and fall down on their knees or from the very core of their heart in their, in their job, whatever, and pray for that individual, they can lose to the devil. I could lose. You can lose. Some of the greatest individuals have fallen because they've never recognized the importance of the body of Christ. They've always thought they was an island in themselves. 
And no man is an island in himself at all. A warfare exists. No higher place in the mind of man. This is the image of God. God gave us some of those areas. And we could think as he thought. I thought God some way, somehow your church needs. Needs your power. It needs your grace. And he's there to give it to us. But did you realize God is a personal God? How many of you know that? He's a personal God and He loves us. But did you also realize the devil is a personal devil? I mean, he's not just somebody out here that's mad at the world. He's somebody that's mad at you. Individually, he's mad at you. Individually, he targets you. It's easy to say, oh, the devil out here wrecking the world. But if God is personal, and that's why I came to God in the first place, it's because I found Him a personal God. He was more than the God of my dad. He became personal to me. And then I finally recognized that Satan was a personal Satan. He was a personal devil. He actually would like to destroy me. And he's a personal devil to you. As God sees and knows our thoughts, and he does, Hebrews 4 and 13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with who we have to do. Stop and think just for a moment. moment. God knew what you did yesterday. He knew what you did last night. Everything. We're just simply stripped in your thinking and what goes on in your mind. Matthew kind of lets us in on that. I believe it's about the 13th chapter. I don't have it down here. But it goes like this. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands or notes accurately or doesn't consider it well, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart or in his mind. In other words, it was sown in his mind. It's open there. It's there. It's already entrenched there. And so the devil can see that it's there. Your thought pattern is open to him. He can see that it's there. I want you to look at the amazing feats of your devil now, of that personal demon, that personal devil, and look at all the amazing feats of him. Now, we know the grace of God. We know the power of God. And, and I'm not putting the devil up as great, but he's a lot stronger than most of us giving credit for. Now, he has to be present to see the inner workings of our mind. And according to the scripture I just read, he evidently sees the inner workings of our mind. Our thought pattern is laid open for his inspection. He can see how we're thinking. He has the power to take away the word of God. I think that's what happens to a lot of people. I think that it's sowing in our mind, and we understand it. And yet there's something about it that if we're not careful and we don't have a, a, a roof over this, that the devil can come and take away everything that God has spoken to us. It is as if sometimes he had never said these things to us. Have you ever wondered why somebody can come in the house of God and enjoy the blessings of God and enjoy the Word of God? And then the first thing you know, they've forgotten, they've even experienced the joy of the Holy Ghost and the joy of God and never heard these things. So the devil can take away the Word. And not only can he do that, he can introduce his own ideas. His own thoughts. Which lets us know that the center of our warfare is our mind. Paul says, beware of it. Be alert. Be watchful. What's your thought pattern? What are you thinking about? And it's a contest. Now I'm going to say it again if you don't believe it. Try keeping your mind on Jesus uninterrupted for just five minutes and you're going to find a warfare. You're going to find every demon in hell is arrayed against you to keep you from thinking about Jesus just for that long. They do not want him to dominate our thoughts. Because if he can dominate the thoughts of this man, this man or woman belongs wholeheartedly and completely to God. And the devil knows that. And so interrupt if he can. Interrupt if he can. It's, it's a contest. It's something that we ought to think about. The Apostle, uh, Apostle Paul warned 
of the possibility of becoming weird. Tired. Most of us in this day and hour, we may don't become weary physically. Now do we? Where we become weary at is where the battle is. Up here. We become so weary in our mind. Because this is where we're fighting. We don't undergo the onslaught of physical torture. Mental torture is our lot. And mental torture probably has destroyed more people than physical torture ever thought about destroying. Because if a man is tortured physically by his God, he knows it. And there's something about it that makes him buck up. But if this mind is attacked and he becomes tired and weary, I'm going to say it. There's no telling how many people that actually love God that is having experience with him, that knows his truth, are at home tonight because they got tired of fighting the old devil. Simply was so weary. But Paul says in Hebrews, when you get weary, and when you get tired, consider somebody. Consider Jesus. Consider he that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied in your minds and think. In other words, when you become tired, when you begin to wonder if it's all worth it, consider that beaten, bruised, and battered body of your Lord Jesus Christ. Consider him and guess him as he prays until there's hardly any strength left in him. And consider after he prays and the angels strengthen him. Consider him coming out of there and being met with one of his most trusted disciples and giving the kiss of death. And consider being taken by cruel hands and mocked and laughed at and smoked and spit upon and beaten with a cat of nine tails until there was hardly any life left in him. And what little there was, they put the cross on his back and told him to carry it unto his place of death. And all this time, that battle of the mind had already been won. His Gethsemane was over. When humanity wouldn't go to Gethsemane with him, and nobody was there to strengthen him. The Bible says an angel came and strengthened him and stood around about him. I'm here to tell you tonight that when mankind is not there, you have angelic forces that can come and strengthen you. Jesus did. And we can have the same thing. But you consider him as he never said a word. Walked the gauntlet did his duty, what he was supposed to do, glad he did, mounted the cross of sin and shame, bleeding and dying, and undergoing the worst torture. And they'll tell you that Roman crucifixion was one of the worst tortures that has ever been imagined by the human mind. This was not Jewish crucifixion, this was Roman crucifixion. This was not Jewish floggings either because 39 stripes is all they could put them on him. But Romans had no limits. They whipped him until an inch of his life. It necessarily had to be 39 stripes. Could have been, but it wouldn't have had to have been because this was a Roman beating. And this was a Roman crucifixion, one of the worst. Took him weary and bruised and battered. Paul said, when you become weary, when things look hard, when you get discouraged, consider that one that walked this road before you. Look at him and look at his life. Consider his humanity. Finally, God got his heel. Give himself those hands that one time just swung the heavens into being in the whole earth. That beautiful voice of his that spoke one time on the day of creation and said, let there be light and there was light. And formed by his mouth everything that we know in this earth. His mouth was shut. The Bible says he returned not a word in his own defense. Why was he doing that? Because he saw me. And because he saw you in the 20th century and right here tonight and knew we needed him. 
Knew the world needed a Savior and there wasn't any Savior. Knew that when we went to death, that's where we would stay until He came to redeem us. Paul says, when you get tired and when you get weary and when you think the whole world's against you, consider Jesus. Look at Him and friend, I don't know about you, but I learned a long time ago when I put my life up to the side of His, it dims in the importance and value of it all. And somewhere or somehow I give strength out of what this man has done in his humanity for me. And I don't think my life is such a bad life after all. And he gave himself for the cross. Those spikes pierced those gentlemen. Never did a thing but love me. Stretched forth those hands. Time and time again touched lives. Precious hands stretched out and made on. Those feet pressed the sandy shores of Galilee and just took him to places where he would touch humanity with his good place there in bold and bent. Another spike was driven in the precious feet of Jesus. And they lifted that cross slammed it into the ground and there he hung suspended between heaven and earth the sacrificed lamb that Abraham talked about thousands of years before that the prophets cried about there he was king of kings and lord of lords giving his life uttered those cries Finally, the one that made the most because it is finished. Barely above a whisper in the doubt. Looking up, seeing humanity, he said, It's done. The Bible says he dismissed his spirit. He had said before, No man taketh my life. You can hang me. You can do whatever you want to, but you can't take my life. I give it. I give it. It's a gift. And he breathed his last. The veil of the tomb was rent from the top to the bottom, signifying a new and a living way for humanity to come to no more pigeons, no more bullocks, no more goats, no more high priests, high priests forever after the order of Melchizedek. It's Jesus. And he invites you to come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, that I will give you rest. Am I wearying you tonight with Jesus? I ought to be. But he's the one. He's the one. He's the one that Paul said, when you get weary, he knew we were. He knew we were human enough. And we get tired. But he said, listen, let me do Look at Jesus. Open your Bible to And look at it. If Satan can keep us from hearing God's word, from studying God's word, from studying God's word, our prime weapon against Satan is God. How many of you know that the only offensive weapon in all of these things is the word of God? The rest of them is just to defend ourselves with. And if we're going to launch an offensive against the devil, we have to do it with the word. That's our punishment. And if the devil can take that away, if he can keep our minds on carnal things, this mind is useless to the Holy Ghost. Can you say it? It's useless to that which indwells you because it has to use that mind. It has to be subject to that. If he can introduce ideas and mental wonderings, then the mind belongs to him at that time. And no wonder that Peter said in 1 Peter 5 and 8, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil as a roaring lion goeth about seeking whom he may devour. In other words, Peter's saying you can't relax 
This is a warfare. This is a battle. You can't take a rocking chair and sit on the battlefield with it without getting hurt. This is not a rocking chair religion. This is a fight. This is a fight for your mind and a fight for your salvation and a fight for others that's surrounding you. Whose ideas about God depend on how you portray God. When you come to God, one individual told me one time, well, I thought that when I come to God, the fight would be over. I said, well, yeah, in a way it is. Your fight with God is over. But you just changed sides. <laughs> your fight with the devil has just started. I mean, he wasn't going to worry himself too much with you as long as he already had you. He was just going to let you amble along doing the things that a damaged nature usually does. You wouldn't have to be spirit-influenced at all. It's just a damaged nature just does, does that. Did you ever notice Pentecostal especially is bad for that. We blame the devil for everything that happens. Indirectly, he is responsible, but for the most part, it's just old Adam's nature doing what it wants to do. We're not oppressed by a demon unless we just go over and beyond that. It's just old Adam's nature. And the Bible tells us if we got the Holy Ghost, we took on a divine nature. Shouldn't be subject to that. So it's a fight. But we've been provided armor, put on the whole armor of God. Fleshly mind now is described as adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, grace, immolations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings. And this nature is never satisfied and it's always restless. You know that, don't you? The human nature is never satisfied. All of these things, some of these things happening, and it don't make any difference what we do with the human nature. It always wants more. But the divine nature, the spiritual mind is love. And joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and meekness and temperance and goodness and faith. And this nature is restful and it's always at peace with God. No wonder Paul said, Philippians 2.5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. But I want you to notice that one little word that we don't, usually notice it said let doesn't take the free will and free choice from mankind at all it says let this mind be in you let this mind control you still the gentleman that the Holy Spirit is and the gentleman that God is never forces himself never makes an issue out of anything it's always let let the Holy Spirit dominate let this mind let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus let these thoughts dominate you that dominated Christ that dominated the Apostle Paul that dominated the martyrs of old let the thought patterns of those individuals who literally died out to themselves that they might live in God and I'm not telling you an impossible dream. I'm showing you things that has happened in the past that will happen in the future that needs to be happening right now. For every one of us is under domination of the divine nature of Jesus Christ. God help us to be controlled by the mind of Christ. Such beautiful furnishings God is placed in his house. His house. His spirit. Gifts that he's given us. Various types. Fruits of the spirit dominate our lives. Always destroyed. Sometimes I'm just one of individuals who never 
never could be could never get their thoughts given completely the fall of Jim Baker never protected this the devil introduced the thought you wonder could he have been thinking that was right you lose all sense of reason when lust takes off. Jimmy Schrager, could he be thinking that was right? Lose all sense of reason. You see, these individuals get him. As they were, failed to realize that the devil was not after these directly. He was after this. And if he got this, he got this and ruin the influence of individuals. The reading has said, not only through ministries, but through laziness. Shouted, spoken tongues, run the aisle, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, yet failed to recognize there has to be a roof on these beautiful mountains. And while you're standing just together, right up here, right here, God wants to do something with us. And like I said, we're, we're not getting down. I, I know where I live. I know what I've got to do. I'm not getting down on you. I'm not unchristianizing you. But I'm just letting you know that what God has got for us to do is going to take dedicated lives wholeheartedly given to him. Otherwise than that, we can't do any more than what's always been done. And there's hurting people out here. People who are dying. 